Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how's it going today? It is going fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. It's it's Super Bowl week. Yeah, I yeah. Don't know. I don't know about you. I'm I'm still kind of focused more on the Senior Bowl that we saw uh, this past weekend. Did you get a chance to check that out? Yeah, um, we'll probably tell you the story, but I'm a little more draft advanced than I usually am because a new gig got going with our guest. Um, I watch, as always, every year I watch, either I'm at the Senior Bowl, I haven't been there for probably six or seven years though, and but I watched all 15 hours of coverage that they had and I've read a million things and I'm on top of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm on top, I'm on top of it. But I think it's about almost time to start shifting gears towards Eagles-Patriots. Yeah, for you. We're, we're not going to do that today. We're right. actually going to stick with that Senior Bowl coverage and we've got uh, one of the best out there, Kyle Krabs from uh, NDT Scouting. Kyle is the founder and the director of scouting there uh, at NDT. Kyle, how's it going today? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, guys. I kind of feel like I'm a buzzkill. You guys seem like you're ready to tackle the Super Bowl and here I am, you know, dragging you into like oh. your ninth day of senior bowl coverage <laughs> no no that's that's matt's deal he he focuses on that real football stuff but uh <laughs> we, we try to stick here to fantasy football and, and that's what i love about this time of year kyle i know that's not really your scene but just as a scouting guy as a draft guy uh, our worlds kind of converge a little bit and we get to learn from you and and so many others out there in your field uh, doing what you do yeah it's always an interesting dynamic I'm always surprised how many people ask me fantasy questions, which uh, if you're listening to me for the first time, I strongly encourage that you don't because I'm terrible <laughs> at fantasy football. And you don't need to be for the, this exercise we're going to do today. We're just going by all uh, the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, how they look at the senior bowl. So you're the perfect guest for that. Wrap that up for us. And Kyle, before we dig into some of those specific players, uh, I, I'm just kind of wondering about NDT Scouting. It, uh, of course, I, as I mentioned, you're the founder and the director of scouting there. How did how did that get started? What what pushed you to create that site? Sure. So uh, I had been planning on pursuing a playing career at the college level and unfortunately got hurt, did not have the opportunity to extend my playing career. So I coached for a couple of years in college at the high school level. And that work-life balance thing is kind of hard when you're you're paying a school the however many tens of thousands of dollars to go and, and get an education. So I was kind of stuck and struggling with how I'm not done with the sport of football, but the coaching thing's not working for me. So what do I do? So I started a, a blog called NFL Draft Tracker, and uh, I'm a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. So so I am used to looking forward to the draft by about the second week in October every single year. <laughs> so that kind of felt like a natural transition for me. So I started this blog about four and a half years ago and six months. Uh, did we, we got really nice traction as far as people cared about what I was writing. And, you know, I try and paint these really detail oriented pictures with my reports. And so we rebranded NFL Draft Tracker to NDT scouting and in the four years since we've added on a staff of almost 10 people uh we are th very thankful to have mr williamson to the group and uh his experience and eye for the game is is really invaluable to us we're very thankful for that and i'm looking forward to him putting me through the ringer uh when i release my mock draft here in a couple weeks yeah i'm gonna get you uh, and then uh, <laughs> that's that's one thing i've been doing with ndt is these guys that know more about the prospects like kyle than me I put out a mock and then I'll, you know, I kind of go pick by pick saying, yeah, I like it. No, I don't. And here's the reasons why. And it's been really successful. It's been a lot of fun. Kyle, I should know this about you as you're my new boss. Now you went to Wilson high school, right? Which is, I found yes. that out through Ross Tucker. That's his, that's his you know, where he went to school. What position did you play? That's in outside of Philly, by the way, in the wrong part of the state of PA. What position did you play and what years were you there? Or when did you graduate? Cool. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm really glad to hear that they actually re uh, realigned the districts. So District 3, which is where Wilson is, no longer has to play in the west side of the state bracket. So we might actually get a chance to win a state championship every once in a while, which is uh, <laughs> a nice break for us because you Pittsburgh schools out there are nuts, man. Um, so I, I went to school. They're into it. Wilson High School, 04 through 07. So I overlapped one year with Jaguars backup Chad Henney. Uh, my freshman year was his senior that's, year. I that's played, why I was going to ask. Yes, I played defensive end, outside linebacker, and uh, just a smidgen of tight end. I probably watched your tape because when I was a recruiting assistant at Pitt, 
you know the name Anthony Morelli? Oh, yeah. He ended up playing at Penn State. Yeah. Yep. Well, Anthony and Henny came out the same year in the state of PA, and we thought for sure we were going to get Morelli. And we thought for sure Henny was going to go to Penn State. And then, for reasons I can't really explain on the air, Anthony changed his mind. He went to Penn State, then Henny went to Michigan. So I watched a lot of Henny tape, you know, that year, and you probably were out there when I was. Uh, I was I was on the sideline. I'll be <laughs> okay. Freshman year, I'm on the sideline. I started two years. Time hadn't come yet. That was, no, I was I was not a great natural athlete. Had to really bust my tail in the weight room. So that's where I I made my hay. They make the best scouts and coaches. Kyle, you're just back from the Senior Bowl. Of course, you uh, you and your team, most of your team at least, uh, were down there covering all the action, the practices, and, and the game, and everything. What's your favorite part of that that week? And uh, how many years have you guys been actually down there checking that out? Yeah, this is this was my third consecutive year going to the Senior Bowl. Uh, last year, I went down uh, with Joe Marino, uh, who's my number two in command here at NDT, and and this year we brought a team of six total guys down. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. It's a different experience for me. And, and that was probably my favorite part of it this year was having a group and coordinating efforts and, and putting out so much content. We put out almost 100 written pieces of analysis centered around the 2018 senior bowl between the, the six folks that we had down there. But as far as the actual experience, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of media day. I, I really enjoy the experience of sitting down and talking to these players and getting to know them, not just from an X's and O's standpoint, Point, which is where we really try and focus so much of our coverage with NDT scouting and the technical side of the game and, and traits-based analysis and so on and so forth, but on a little bit of a personal level. So getting an opportunity to talk to guys about what they do outside of football, you know, where their background is, what their growth throughout the college experience has been like for them uh, really kind of gets allows you to put – uh, a personality and a person behind this helmet and shoulder pads that you see when you watch on tape. Yeah, that's great information. That's something I think uh, fantasy players and just football fans in general probably overlook because that's not something that that we get very much coverage of. It's not something that we can that we can see when we watch practices or watch Total Access or any of these shows. So honestly, it's just probably not something fans think much about. But that's that's interesting insight for sure. Kyle, let's uh, let's go ahead and dig into some of the players. And as Matt said earlier, we're just going to focus on, uh, for the most part, those fantasy relevant players. So quarterback, running back, sure. wide receiver, and tight end. Uh, of everybody that was down there this week, who was, or last week, I guess I should say, who was the most impressive player through uh, the week of practices? Throughout the week of practices, I thought the best skill guy that was there with consistency was James Washington, the wide receiver from Oklahoma State. Uh, really impressed. He came in at weigh-ins and he he measured in under 5'11", which raised some eyebrows because he played so big at Oklahoma State. He was consistently winning 50-50 balls and out jumping guys. And then you you find out uh, his, his height measurement is under 5'11". It just kind of raises an eyebrow and you kind of ask yourself, okay, you know, we know he wasn't he did, he wasn't as big as how he played. His actual size is. What concerns do we have about his style of play and how it may translate? And then uh, if you're not familiar with the senior bowl, there's something called the Exos film room where you get the chance to watch. Uh, you could sit down and really dig into uh, the practice film of these guys and watch it in slow motion and pick it apart and really look specifically at what these guys are implementing on the field. And I gained a much greater appreciation for James across all three days with his route running ability knows what he's doing on his route stems. And he's one of the best vertical receiving guys in this year's draft class. And you could see why, because everything he does is within 10, where he puts his feet, how he moves his hips, where he fakes opening his hips or where he turns his head on his route stem is forcing defensive backs when they were in, in one-on-one situations or when they were in seven on seven or, or 11 on 11, he really knew how to set up defensive backs, even though he's not the most explosive offline of scrimmage. So you look at some of the traits that, that he has that he pairs that with and add in the fact that he had over 34 inch arms. You know, I'm talking a lot of scouting jargon right now, but my, my general point is all of those things come together for a player that I feel much better about his style of play translating, even though he's coming from this spread offense at Oklahoma state than what I did entering the week. 
He's pretty rocked up too, isn't he? I mean, oh yeah, he, yeah. yeah he, he's got a big barrel chest on him, and he, he's got a really sturdy build and a very, very impressive athlete to see up close as well. Kyle, I think we were kind of we as fantasy players were kind of spoiled with some of these uh, draft classes, specifically at the wide receiver spot that we saw. Twenty fourteen, of course, stands out, but past couple of years, not so much. We haven't seen that instant impact especially from those players who were drafted early. Is Washington a guy you think that can make an instant impact when he gets into the league, or is it going to take him a couple of years to adjust? I always tend to side with receivers that come out of these offenses, these these wide open offenses. You know, he's used to working in space. That's how Oklahoma State wins is they they stretch you out, they stress your secondary, and their receivers have a lot of space to work. He won't be afforded that kind of spacing in the NFL. Uh, so even though he is polished, I still tend to think Washington, I do think there's a couple of guys that can contribute right away, uh, but we'll get into that in just a little bit. I still tend to lean Washington's a guy, he's going to have an adjustment period because it's he's not getting the same looks. He's still going to have to consistently win with a guy on his hip or with much smaller throwing windows and zone coverage. But it's encouraging that he is a long arm guy with a rocked oh, yeah. up body to deal with the contested catches. You know, yeah, right? absolutely. Kyle, let's look at the other end of the spectrum. Who's the player you were really disappointed by this week? Yeah, I got two candidates: one for injury and one for performance. Uh, Dallas Goddard, tight end from South Dakota State, uh, pulled up lame with a hamstring on his second rep, and he was one of probably the top three or four guys I was most looking forward to seeing compete uh, in the entire event. Uh, Goddard, if you're not familiar, he's got ball skills that are just outrageous. Uh, convinced he's part Spider-Man with the ability to make one-handed catches that he does. Uh, he's extremely loose in his upper body, so his catch rate is he checked in at 6'5", 260. And he looks like he's 240. You know, He carries his weight extremely well. I think he's the highest upside receiving tight end in this group. I know we'll talk about tight ends here in just a little bit, but seeing him put both defenders that he had on him in a blender uh, in one-on-ones and then on the second one pull up lame at the very end, I was just kind of disheartening. The other one that, that disappointed me was Akron Wadley from Iowa. He came in smaller than we thought he was. He was under 190. He was 188, and he didn't run especially well. You see, this is a guy that literally walks through his pass protection reps, and you question whether he's a three-down running back or not because you can't rely on him pass coverage. And then he came in there this week, and one of the other things that he brought as far as value was as a pass catcher, and you're watching him run his routes, and he's jumping into all of his breaks and just all this kind of lot of wasted movement. And then you pair that with a guy that doesn't have the most loose hips, uh, kind of wins with balance and leverage. And now he's smaller than we thought he was. I just thought he really missed the mark this week as far as any opportunity that he had to solidify his standing as a a draftable running back. He kind of missed the mark with all of them. You think there's a a chance a guy like Wadley completely goes undrafted? I think he's really in for a slide. I think this is a a really respectable group of running backs, and, and Wadley did himself no favors. I think he's one of those guys that that teams will will look at and think, you know, this is just a guy. He's going to find an opportunity to land with a team. I don't know where his trump card is at the next level. Well, let me tell you guys about our trump card, and they've been a good buddy of ours for quite some time now, and that's Harry's. I've experienced with these guys because of podcasts I've done in the past. They sponsored them, and I had always been an electric guy because I got really sensitive skin. And I get Anytime I'd use a razor, it'd be a mess. So I tried the, the Harry's Blades. And now I'm hooked. I've been using them probably for five years or so now. It's something you guys absolutely need to check out. Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price. That's why over 3 million of us have switched to Harry's. Jeff and Andy were just two ordinary dudes. They were fed up with getting charged an arm and a leg for razor blades. They started Harry's to fix shaving, and I think they have. They stripped out all the unnecessary features like vibrating handles and a bazillion lubricating strips and all that nonsense. And the unnecessary cost to deliver customers one perfect razor at an amazing price. A good shave comes down to good blades because Harry's owns the factory. They're able to deliver amazing quality blades for just two bucks a blade compared to the $4 or more you pay at the, at the drugstore. And all their products are packed by 100% guarantee, of course. Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades. They'll give you their trial shave set for free. 
All you do is sign up at harrys.com slash dynasty. And you just all you gotta do is pay for shipping. So claim your free trial offer today from Harry's. It's $13 value when you sign up. All you gotta do is cover shipping. You get a weighted, beautiful razor handle, five precision engineer blade with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. To get your free trial set, go to harrys.com slash dynasty right now. Kyle, for the rest of the show, we're going to go position by position and just get your thoughts on some of the players you got to see at the Senior Bowl. We're going to start with a player I know is one of your favorites, Oklahoma quarterback Baker Mayfield. I don't even have a question, Kyle. I I know he's kind of your guy. Let's just hear your thoughts on Mayfield. Yeah, I gave such a glowing review of Mayfield to uh, clevelandbrowns.com. I did a spot with their or Cleveland Browns Today show with Nathan Zagura and Matt Wilhelm, who are just excellent at what they do. I have people entering my mentions on social media uh, accusing me of being Maker Bayfield's publicist. So that tells you exactly <laughs> where I stand on the spectrum of how high people can be on Baker Mayfield. I would say this about Mayfield's performance, specifically at the Senior Bowl, not getting into some of the X's and O's and, and tr- uh, translatable traits. It would have been really easy for Baker Mayfield to just say, you know what, Mr. Savage, thanks, but no thanks. I've had something come up. Uh, Family issues arisen. I'm not going to be able to attend this event. Uh, But Baker Mayfield, Alabama, got off the plane, got on a bus, drove straight to the stadium, and practiced on Tuesday. And he practiced all three days. And he interacted with the NFL personnel, and he was a very positive uh, personality on the field. You could see people gravitated towards him. He was out there having fun, clapping his hands, slapping guys on the butt, having a good time, a natural leader. And we had the opportunity to speak with Agbanyo Karanku, who is a defensive end for Oklahoma during media days, which Baker missed because of his family conflict. And Okoronku was the other team, or team captain for Oklahoma. And he said, every single person in that locker room, when Baker Mayfield spoke, stop what they were doing, and listen. And if Baker was giving any kind of words of encouragement, he said, even I got goosebumps and I'm the other captain on the team. Everybody respected the heck out of him and he gave him a really glowing review. Baker Mayfield also stayed on Saturday and played at the game, which would have been very easy to do. His status was up in the air depending on the, the results of his mother's test. She had some sort of cardiovascular health scare. Played the first quarter, left at halftime. A lot of people gave him a hard time for that. But again, how easy would it have been to just say, uh, you know what, you know, th- this issue's here. I'm going to bounce out Friday morning. Thanks, but no thanks. He committed every obligation and commitment that he made to this event. And I think that deserves to be commended more than anything else. Yeah, I agree. Quick question just about his, about his persona and leadership and yeah. energy. You were there. Do you think... You think it's real, though. Uh, obviously, you do because you're a believer. You don't think it's manufactured for the crowd or juvenile. I mean, you think he is just a truly energetic leader. Absolutely. I, I think he's yeah. kind of he, he, the phrase he wears his heart on his sleeve. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. And, you know, he, he loves the game of football. I think that's the most way from the week was just how much he enjoyed being out there. I don't think he was playing up for anybody. You know, he, he was hooting and hollering. He's standing on the sidelines when he's not doing drills or during the game, and he's he's clapping for Josh Allen, and he's staying engaged when he's not on the field. So he's out there, he, and he takes his snaps, and then he comes back off, and he's, he's humming and hawing, and he's diddling on his cell phone or whatever and not, just not paying attention. But he was honed in and dialed in every time I checked on him. So, you know, I, I don't think there was anything disingenuous about that at all. Kyle, you mentioned Josh Allen, and of course he was the other uh, big star of the week as as a potential first-round quarterback, and, and we can say potential number one overall player, uh, according to some mock drafts that, that we're seeing out there. Uh, what was your take on Allen over the, uh, over the past week? Anybody who's followed me for any period of time knows that I am very lukewarm on Josh Allen as far as being a pro prospect, but there's no other option – other than giving credit where credit is due, Josh absolutely positively got better every single day he went out there for practice. Uh, Thursday was an electric day of practice because it turned into the Baker Mayfield versus Josh Allen show, 11s and 11 on 11s, where these guys are coming out and one of them just throws 
a dart. And then the next guy comes out and he throws a dime over the top. Then the next guy comes back out and it throws an even better throw than that. And it really felt like Josh came into his own as the week went on. And obviously that culminated with the game performance. And you don't want to put too much stock in the game because you're working with limited coverages and they can't call blitzes. And so it's very watered down football game, but the talent's evident. The throwing mechanic does a really nice job throwing with his whole body. My, my concern with Allen is as you add more elements around him, uh, the more and more inconsistent he gets. So the more he has to think about, the less that natural muscle memory can take over for him. So what I mean by that, if it's one-on-one and he's looking at a guy, it's as pretty as you will ever see. If you get into seven-on-seven, uh, it kind of slows down a little bit. His, his processor and his decision-making is not quite as crisp. You get into 11-on-11, 11 11, you really see his throwing mechanics start to break down. And I thought that was a fascinating piece of, of Josh and, and his game because the question is, okay, is, is he just not there yet as far as you know the muscle memory of the mechanics of throwing the football and, and getting into his pass drops? Because if that's the case – Coaches probably, and it would explain a lot, feel like, okay, once we get that muscle memory down and he just has to worry about making decisions against coverage, we're going to get more consistent results out of him. Does he remind you of Cam Newton at all as a thrower? I would say his – Powerful. Yeah, I think his athletic profile reminds me of Cam Newton as far as his size and athleticism and ability to run. But Mm -hmm. my running comp for him right now is Blaine Gabbert. You know, Blaine has done very well for himself to make a career in the NFL and has had a couple opportunities to start and uh, in the most recent times has been okay. But Blaine Gabbert coming out of Missouri was big, athletic, had the arm style you're looking for, but it was all between the ears and it just wasn't clicking. And I think that for me, that kind of you know stylistic comp of all the athletic traits in the world that you would want, but the mental side of the game is a huge question and at least a you know, gross amounts of inconsistency and how I came to that comparison because it's the closest thing that I can think of. Kyle, I'm sure as we get more information, uh, we get to the uh, NFL Combine, we see pro days and, and just learn more about these players. I'm sure this will be changing, but uh, after the Senior Bowl, what does the the top of your quarterback rankings look like? Maybe Maybe your top five or so. Are we including underclassmen? Yes. Okay. Um, I could tell you the only thing that might change is QB3 and QB4. Okay. Uh, the rest of them, the way that I do my assessments, it's all numerical. This numerical scoring accounts for film, which is about three quarters to 80% of their overall grade. And then I factor in uh, a historical measure of size and athleticism. It's the past 12 years or so of combine data uh, relative to their peers at that position, their production on the field and their experience. So Experience is done. These guys aren't playing any more football games. Their production is done. They're not playing any more football games. And the film, if as long as I've gotten to the film, I feel really good about it. So quarterback specifics, I'm missing about 5% of all of these evaluations, even less for some of these guys now that I have their way in. So I've been playing with the numbers, kind of seeing, okay, if and he's this size and he runs this fast, you know, this is the, the scoring that he's going to get. So I can kind of simulate what guy's final assessments are going to be. And I could say with good confidence that Baker Mayfield's going going to be my top passer this year. Okay. And is number two and he's very close, but mathematically speaking, because so much of it has been accounted for uh, Rosen won't pass them, but both of those two will carry first round grades for me. Uh, they're hundred percent locked in. No questions asked three, four, five. Uh, it's a coin flip right now between uh, Sam Darnold and Lamar Jackson. Both those guys are very close. Uh, could really go either way. I like them both. I'm not anywhere near as high on them because they are more high variance type guys. And that's kind of the same case study as Josh Allen, but Josh Allen's actually not in my top five. Number five for me is probably going to be Mason Rudolph, but there's an outside chance that it's Kyle Lawletta from the senior bowl, this Richmond kid who looks really, really good. He's really sound with his decision-making. He was at the college level as well. And he came out here and he proved he belonged at the senior bowl last week. So that checked that box as far as concern for level of competition. Yeah, that's good information. I'm not really familiar with him, but I'm going to have to check him out uh, after hearing that Uh, just really quickly. I'm in case the accent didn't give it away. I'm here in Kentucky. And of course it's, it's all about Lamar here. 
and we're still, but we're still hearing people say that he should be moved to wide receiver. What, what do you think about that? I'm trying to think of a tactful way to say this. Um, <laughs> I think it's silly. Makes no sense really. to me. Right. Yeah, right. Really silly. Like I've, I've had the pleasure to go down to Louisville each of the past two years in November and see Lamar play Jackson or Lamar play a game uh, live and in person. Uh, last year, I was there for the Kentucky game short the day or two after Thanksgiving. And then this past year, I had a chance to go down and see them play Virginia. And Virginia had defensive player, players on all three levels of the defense with Andrew Brown, the defensive lineman, and Micah Kaiser, the linebacker, and Quinn Blanding, the safety. And they even have a couple corners that, that might have a shot at making the NFL as well. Uh, Lamar torched both of those teams. Um, I think because he doesn't fit the traditional mold and because he's so athletic, the lazy thing to do is assume that you can take that athleticism and put it in some other piece. But I'll say this for Lamar. Lamar has gotten better each and every year as a passer uh, to the degree where it's notable and it's impressive. 2015 to 2016 and 2016 to 2017. Lamar still has seeing the entire field. Lamar is still, his arm is so good as far as the, the torque he gets on the ball with just using his arm. He doesn't always throw with his legs. He throws a lot with his arm, and that leads to a lot of variance on balls that are 20-plus yards down the field outside the numbers. Lamar made strides in that area this past year. He, he, the Virginia game that I was at, he had two touchdown passes 20 yards down the field outside the right sideline, uh, outside the numbers. So we're seeing growth from Lamar, and if you can't acknowledge that and say, yeah, he's still got to take his lumps in some spots, but we're going to move him to wide receiver anyway. Uh, that to me, I, I think it just totally misses the mark and misses the context of the the trajectory, which is something I know a lot, a lot of fantasy people are really dialed in on. Is what does your growth look like? What is what does that trajectory look like? The the arrows pointing up for Lamar, and I don't for one second buy that he's not going to get a shot at quarterback. That's good to hear. I didn't I didn't think it was really an option at this point. I mean, it seems like that opinion has mostly faded away, but I, I was surprised to hear that uh, just over the past couple of weeks from, from one of the names we all know. But anyway, we'll move on to running back. Real quick, I just wanted one, one little Lamar Jackson thing I wanted to say is sure. I, I think it's insane to, to look at him or draft him and say he's – you go to report to the wide receiver room. That's insane to me, like, you guys, like Kyle said. But if I'm a GM, it's also something that after two years, if he doesn't work out at quarterback, I can kind of save the draft pick and make a Terrell Pryor type move. Yeah. So to me, that's like an added bonus if it doesn't work. It's more good than bad. That, right, that, right. If, if, that, if that throwing ability and the mental side of his game never really develops, you know, worst case scenario, you're not putting Mason Rudolph in the tight end room. Like, it's just not, it's, it's not going <laughs> right, to happen. So. Right. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. All right, the running back position. Uh, it was really, once we got to the game, it was really all about Rashad Penny. What did you think of him this, uh, this past week, Kyle? Yeah, uh, when I was writing one of my stories, I was assigned for this this Senior Bowl week coverage. Uh, my post game was ended up being focused on Rashad Penny, and I'm going to make a comparison. And I'm not saying it's a comparison, even though there are some similarities. Uh, but I thought his week at the Senior Bowl mirrored Kareem Hunt's from last year pretty closely. And what I mean by that is these guys. Both came into the week kind of under the radar as not power five running backs. They both had strong game performances. They were both strong runners throughout the course of the week. I watched Kareem Hunt last year string together a couple of consecutive lateral cuts that just made my jaw drop. Didn't have that same kind of cut ability. And his lateral balance is nowhere near what Kareem Hunt's is. He's much more of a linear one cut kind of guy. But... Penny offered more, and this is one of the values to being at these events. I thought when I watched his tape, he consistently ran with his feet collected underneath his hips. He didn't show a lot of comfort and range of motion with his feet getting outside his hips to, to create springy cuts and really a space laterally or, or vacate a space. But in the one-on-ones, I'm consistently watching Rashad Benny, Penny run pass routes, and he is cutting hard off that inside foot and exploding out of his cuts. Really impressive stuff. So watching Penny do that kind of eased my concerns. And then we get in the game, uh, limited number of carries, no more than 15 touches. 
over 100 yards, was one of the outstanding players of the game and, and really helped his draft stock. So you look at under the radar to start, physical guy that, that showed something that uh, really eased some of the concerns that you had from him coming into the week, culminating that with a really strong game performance uh, and, and winning recognition as one of the outstanding players. Uh, I thought Penny and his pathway for just this week, not on the film, but just this week, mirrored Kareem Hunt very well, and I think it's going to do well for him when it comes draft season. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. I know he has a lot of uh, a lot of fans in the fantasy and the dynasty community. Another player who I guess we could say made some headlines this week, mostly in a good way, was Kalen Balaj, uh, former mm-hmm. Arizona State running back. It had been a disappointing season for him, to say the least, but maybe he's starting to turn that around. Is it too little, too late? I think Balaj, if he's going to find success at the NFL level as a running back, is going to be as a gap power style guy. He has to, almost like what Fournette was to some degree, where Fournette, you made him bounce, he lost all of his appeal. Same thing goes for Balaj. In Arizona State, they didn't have a lot of maulers up front. I actually had the opportunity to go out to Arizona State and watch them play Oregon this year as well, and that was a great showcase. And Balaj, you see him in person, it's like, oh my goodness, this guy's just going to kill people out there. And if he gets guys one-on-one, he does. But a lot of times he's he getting really looks apart, right? Oh my goodness. Yes. Now, uh, Matt, yeah, right. to, to your point with, with Lamar Jackson, if Kalen Balaj does not pan out at running back, move this man to wide receiver because he caught the he's ball that good so well. Yes. He, he's six, two. He's yeah. put together really well. He's kind of linear, but success against linebackers running routes and he's a natural pass catcher. Uh, so, I think he's he's a legit two-style player. He can be a power back out of the backfield, uh, but he is very explosive in straight-line situations, and he's a much better athlete than linebackers. You know, maybe not some of the safeties, definitely some, some physical guys. You're, we're not trying to put him outside and have him play outside, but if you put him in the slot and have him run routes, uh, I think he can hold value as both a ball carrier and a pass catcher. People that I've seen that really like him have used David Johnson comparisons and like, uh, let's chill a little mm-hmm. But I mean, if you think he's that good a receiver, it's a great fallback plan. Yeah. I think the, the Johnson comp is, is very rich for my taste. Yeah. But, right. um, no, physical, the physical build is there, but the running style, I think you, you're, you're kind of missing the mark with that comp. Yeah. For, I, I agree. And comparing anybody yeah. to David Johnson is, is tough, but Kyle, I know, I mean, you, you obviously remember when, when Johnson was coming out, there were questions about, can he run between the tackles? Can he, can he be an every down back? Yeah. Uh, Johnson for me, I I really kick myself with David Johnson because it's the last time I ever let myself get snookered out of a grade based on level of competition. Uh, I docked him with my numerical scoring for uh, level of competition and for the workload that he had at the college level. He had over 1000 touches in college. Uh, both of those things, if I had not dropped him off, he would have been fourth behind those three guys, Gordon, uh, Gurley, and Jay Ajayi. So uh, instead, he was RB7 for me as far as my actual draft rankings, and I still kick myself for that one because I thought the the running stuff was fine with him. I thought he was really patient, and uh, when it was time to put the head down, he put the head down and ran, and it was explosive in straight-line situations. Kyle, you mentioned uh, Balaj potentially playing multiple positions. And uh, if there's a player that is, I guess, most likely to do that in this class, it might be Jalen Samuels from NC State. Uh, We saw him uh, mostly play tight end, but he really lined up all over the field. And then when he got to the senior bowl, he was listed as a running back. What did you think of Samuels? Yeah, um, I thought he did a little better throughout the week, kind of gaining some comfort with his running. But this is not the kind of environment that you want to test the guy as a runner. And I'll say this for Samuels. He is an excellent receiver. Uh, I think if you put him in a move piece type role and kind of move him around your offensive sets and play him at H back, you can flex him out into the slot. Uh, as far as a NFL role, I would love to see him in a role kind of like how the Patriots used to use Aaron Hernandez, where, you know, he's, he's all over the field. You know, you got to account for him on every snap because he's, I don't think he's quite that level of an athlete. But as far as the receiving skills that he has, uh, I feel much better about that guy working out of the slot than I do in the backfield as a ball carrier, just because uh, he has some carries at the college level. 
but by and large where he was able to really beat guys was in the middle of the field as a receiver. Kyle, when you th- he's the kind of guy I want on my NFL team and just figure yes. out how to use him week to week, depending on what the defense gives you. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm not sure that translates to fantasy or to dynasty, but yeah, cer- certainly a guy you like to have on your side considering his uh, flexibility and versatility. Kyle, when it comes to that running back position, it's it's really all about those two underclassmen, uh, Barkley and Geis. Who do you see as the most likely player to be the third running back off the board in the NFL draft? Uh, if we're, we're posing the question who's third off the board, it gets a little complicated because there's you know Ronald Jones, USC, and uh, I personally am a really big fan of Nick Chubb still. As long as his medicals check out, he had that horrific knee injury back in 2015, and somehow – didn't miss a snap in 2016. And then 2017 really looked like he had his burst back to, to some degree. Uh, he's really well balanced and he absorbs contact so well. And uh, his vision's really strong. And uh, Nick Chubb for me is that running back three that as long as teams feel like his knees going to hold out for him and allow him to play through multiple contracts, uh, that's RB3 for me personally. Very cool. Hey, I want to introduce you guys to a new company called Wink, W-I-N-C. I don't know if any of you guys are into wine out there. I am. I, I like red wine a lot. Don't do white at all, but I just do red. I don't have any idea what I'm talking about, to be very honest. I go to the liquor store. I look at a bazillion bottles of red wine. I usually just grab something on sale and go from there. But this new company, Wink, has a really cool deal where – the Wink wine experts, they select wines that match your taste. It's personalized for you, and they ship them right to your door. It's a wine club. Here's how they do it. Like you, One of the things you do is you go to their website, and you do the, the palate profile quiz. They'll ask you all these different sim- simple questions that no one at the store would ever do. You know, If you just walk in there, no one's going to help you to that degree. They ask you things like, how do you like your coffee? Do you salt your foods? How do you like about blueberries? You know, do you like blueberries? Are you into berries in general? So you fill out this thing and then they send you your first bottle and they, they curate to your taste. And then, then you write, you rate that one from one to 10 and then they use that data. So every month it gets better knowing exactly what you're looking for. It's really a cool deal. So it becomes a very personalized service with a new bottle of wine to your door each time and each month there are new delicious wines there's no membership fees you can skip any month you want you can cancel any time shipping is covered and if you don't like the bottle you they send you they'll replace it with a bottle you'll you'll love no questions asked it's a heck of a deal so here's what you do go to trywink.com/dynastyblueprint and your first shipment you'll get 20 bucks off right off the bat so that's trywink t r y w i n c dot com slash dynasty blueprint 20 bucks off right off the bat it's a heck of a deal i I can't wait to sign up i'm pretty excited about it kyle let's move on to the wide receiver position Uh, we've already talked about james washington he was kind of the headliner of the week so let's hit on a couple players that may uh may not be on the radar of some some fantasy players some football fans and let's start with michael gallup colorado state yeah gallup was one of the beneficiaries of having uh, baker mayfield throwing to him throughout the course of week of practice. Uh, Tuesday really stands out where uh, Gallup caught a really nice post route that Mayfield used great anticipation for and was a tight window throw, kind of fitted in between the safety and the, the corner and cover two man and uh, flashed really nice hands. And he, and he ran good routes all week. Uh, Gallup is slapped together a little better than I thought he was, which makes me feel a little better about him playing on the outside at the next level, because I had some questions here and I'm watching his college film and I'm like, man, this reminds me a lot of Nelson Aguilar at USC kind of keeping an eye on it. Yeah. I'm, I'm side eyeing it. I'm like, I don't know if he's outside. I don't know him in person. And uh, I've seen Nelson in person as well. And he, and he's better built than Nelson. He's a little more sturdy than Nelson. I think he's got a little bit more juice to him. I think he's got a little bit more oomph to him. Uh, than what Nelson does. So I think this is a guy that is a, a Z receiver at the next level. He's a guy that has a little bit of juice uh, with his route runnings to to kind of keep defenses honest vertically. And he parlays that with some really nice routes that enable him to get open in the intermediate areas of the field. So it was very strong, uh, not the most spectacular as far as what James Washington did, as far as re-solidifying his standings. But 
I got exactly what I hoped to see out of Gallup to make me feel good about him being a boundary receiver, like a, a wide receiver one or wide receiver two at the next level. He seems like a really consistent Robert Woods number two type guy. Yeah, yeah, I think that's another great comp as far as like a role for him and expectation yeah, for right. to an offense. Kyle, we've heard one one big mover, one big beneficiary of the uh, Senior Bowl week was Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, it seemed like he played about 15 years at Penn State. Uh, it just seemed like he was there forever. <laughs> but now we're hearing that after after his week, maybe even moving up into that second round. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, he was on the Van Wilder plan in, in college at Penn State. <laughs> but uh, Deshaun, man, I wish this guy could catch the ball with his hands. I think round two is a little too rich just because he he is a very notable body catcher. Uh, he really struggles to – And extend. a lot of drops. Yes, he had a lot of drops at Penn State. He had, a lot, he had a lot of drops in practice as far as when he was trying to address the ball and reach his hands out away from his chest and catch a football. He fought it a lot. But he ran some of the best darn routes here. I mean, he had guys spinning the wrong way twice trying to recover on the same rep. Uh very, very polished route runner that you're just going to have to understand. He's going to lose some contested situations because of the way he addresses the football, and he's going to have some drops, and some of these drops are going to be very ugly. But I did think Deshaun had more good than bad throughout the course of this week. Uh, just the, the hands are a really big concern of mine. Uh, let's move to the underclassmen just for a moment. Um, this Overall, this seems like another kind of subpar uh, wide receiver class. A lot of fantasy players really excited, uh, rightfully so, about the incoming running backs. The, the juniors that have declared, though, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Cortland Sutton, those guys are the ones being talked about, uh, along with Washington, as potential first-rounders. Do you have first-round grades on those guys, or uh, – is it another case of just reaching for the best wide receiver who might not really be a first rounder? Yeah, this is, this is important to note as far as I'm glad we already kind of touched on the way that I score because the film score there, there's two guys here that I have first round film on that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to finish with first round values uh, because of production and size and adjusted athleticism and so on and so forth. Those two guys are Calvin Ridley and Corden Sutton, uh, very different players. Uh, Ridley is smooth. And he's really explosive, and he whooped guys left and right this year and just did not have a quarterback that could get him the football. Uh, so that that was frustrating perspective, but I do think Calvin Ridley is probably the safest receiver in this year's class. Uh, certainly depends on where he lands, but I think he can project favorably in a number of different roles and offenses at, at the NFL level. Cortland Sutton's a little bit more Corey Davis to his game as far as he's really physical uh, I like the way that Cortland Sutton plays the game. I like the way he dresses the football. Um, I think he's a little more raw with his route running, especially in comparison to Calvin Ridley, where uh, Sutton still needs to learn how to set guys up a little bit more and use that size to his advantage more consistently. But I'm a little disappointed. We're talking underclassmen. You guys didn't mention Auden Tate from Florida State. This guy might have the highest ceiling of anybody in the draft. Uh, would highly encourage you guys check out some of the highlights from Auden Tate. Now I say highlights because he did play all year this year with James Blackman as his quarterback mm. at Florida state. Andre Francois does not get hurt. We are talking about Auden Tate in a very different way. As far as the size, the fluidity that he has to his game. This is not Kelvin Benjamin all over again, where the guy runs everything in straight lines and struggles to separate. Auden Tate has some nice polish to his game playing an offense that either missed him when he was open, threw him inaccurate balls, or if you didn't, you had a guy that was making huge plays and contested catches all over the field. Could he be first receiver taken? On tape, um, I think that's Calvin Ridley. I think that I still think that's very comfortable, but yeah. uh, on, uh, if, I mean, if on tape comes out and he tests through the roof, uh, people are kind of speculating he's going to be high four fives. If he runs low four fives, high four fours, he's really going to open some eyebrows. I think he's probably going to be mid four fives. So I don't expect him to play him to test to the degree where he's going to force himself into that conversation at the top tier. So just give me a real, real quick overview of DJ Shark. I thought he got a lot better as the week got, went on from my view of things. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Tuesday was a terrible day for him. Uh, MJ Stewart, the corner from NC State, or I'm sorry, North Carolina, who's widely regarded as a nickel guy, um, took his lunch like six straight reps 
reps to start the first practice. He could not get off him in press coverage. Uh, Chark get better as the week got on. Started uncovering vertically down the field, which I just watched his film and gave him his grade today. Uh, that's a, a very similar style to what you see on film where press coverage is not his forte. He's got to add some releases to his game and get off the line of scrimmage. But if he gets down the field, uh, I mean, he's six, two and a half. He's one ninety six. He moves really well. He's got a vertical gear. Uh, I like him a lot. And, and Matt, as you said, he got much better as this week went on. Kyle, let's wrap up today with a couple of the tight ends. My favorite uh, incoming rookie tight end is from Penn State, Mike Gusecki. What did you uh, What did you think of him over the over the week? Gusecki impressed me this week because I watched him on film and I just thought he ran a little clunky, almost like what former Penn State and, and Pittsburgh Steeler uh, tight end Jesse James ran, where Jesse coming out of Penn State, he just looked like a puppy with his legs still too big for his body. Gusecki, you see him in person. I had no idea he was slapped together so well. Now, I will say legs a couple more times in the weight room. He's a little top-heavy, and I think that that shows up when you see him run his routes. If you if you give him free releases, he's going to tear you apart. He's going to eat you up. He's going to get past your linebackers in a hurry. Gusecki, and you hit him up top, and it's really solid. Uh, you can really knock him off his trajectory. Uh, so he is a little top-heavy, needs to work on his balance a little bit more. But I was impressed with how smooth he was at the top of his routes. He was winning contested throws just like he did at Penn State. I think Gusecki, the tight end that improved his status the most from start to end of the week. It's a bit of a long strider. Yes. It's got a little bit of time to get up to top speed. But once he does, uh, his acceleration from yard 10 to yard 20 is much, much, much better than 0 to 10. Agreed. That's a good way to put it. Kyle, we had a couple other tight ends there. kind of on other ends of the spectrum, Troy Fumagalli from Wisconsin, mm-hmm. kind of the well-established. I, I think he, we can probably view him as a safe prospect. And then Ian Thomas from Indiana, high upside, the, the athlete. I think he's, I think he's the former basketball player. Like so many of the tight ends we see now, uh, just some quick thoughts on each of those guys. Sure. Uh, Ian Thomas was, was really unimpressive to me. Yes. And, and you're right. You guys, I'm, I'm, I'm coming in here with what I think is a hot take saying Ian Thomas was one of the most disappointing player performances of the entire week, regardless of position. Hmm. His routes, the top of his routes were rounded off. Uh, he was not separating. He struggled catching the football. He dropped a whole bunch of throws, uh, which disappointed me because you watched him against Ohio State at the beginning of the year. And it's holy cow, who is this guy? You know, he, he moves really well. And Thomas, I've got more questions than answers than what I did at the start of the week for him. Talking about Troy Fumagalli, Fumagalli is solid, not spectacular. I think he's got a high floor, but I do think his ceiling's a little lower as well. If we do want to talk about a sleeper tight end, I would sneak in the name Hayden Hurst from South Carolina. Baseball player in the minor leagues uh, came back to uh, South Carolina to play football and is a flex type guy. He's uh, very athletic. He addresses the ball extremely well. He's aggressive as a receiver to play with that quote unquote, my ball mentality and attack the football in the air. And he was very effective in between the hashes last year for South Carolina. So uh, he's an older prospect, but he's technically an early entry into the draft class because he played two years of minor league baseball. I'm glad you brought uh, Hayden Hurst up and, and especially his age. He is, he, so he's 25, as you mentioned, uh, that's, that's due to his pro baseball career. And, and Kyle, dynasty owners get scared off by these old guys. Even, uh, even Calvin Ridley, who I think, is, uh, I think he's 23, even those guys that are just entering the league, we're, we're sometimes, sometimes wary of putting those guys on our team, especially with Hurst, who's 25 years old. How much does that come into play when NFL teams or, or scouts are evaluating these guys? Uh, I think the, the easy answer is, do you think he can get two contracts out of them? Okay. And if you, if you can get two contracts out of a guy, that, that rookie contract, if your first-round pick is four with the option for five, if it's not, it's a four-year deal. So if somebody like Hayden Hurst, if he's an early second-round pick, now all of a sudden you're, okay, he's 29. He's still in the peak of his physical capabilities, but he's on the back end of that spectrum. If you want to give him another three, four year deal, I would feel comfortable that he can make it there provided his game translates to the next level. But that's kind of the economics of draft investment is if we were, we're going to take a guy in the the top two rounds, we want to get two contracts out. So that's why you see guys like uh, Jay Ajayi drop big time in the draft because he had the knee concerns 
Now, the, his film was like first round film, but if they say, oh man, he's got a degenerative knee issue, he's going to need microfracture surgery at some point. Uh, we think he's a one contract guy. That's where you see a guy slide into the, the fourth, fifth round. Yeah, that's a one good last way to think about it. And one last senior bowl tight end I wanted to ask you about was Smythe from Notre Dame. He kind of stood out to me. Yeah, his um, his role at Notre Dame was a little weird, but he came out and, and had a really great week of practices receiving the football, which is what he needed because I thought he was very strong as a blocker at the next level. But we were questions about, okay, how does he look you know, getting out in space? And I know Notre Dame had some depth at tight end this year, so he kind of got pushed for those reps. But uh, I do agree with you. Yes, we caught that nice touchdown pass from Josh Allen. Uh, really looked good as a receiver catching the ball with his hands and getting vertical a little bit. Will there be any first-round tight ends mm. in the real draft? I would love to think so after we got three last year, but that feels like it's three years worth the first-round tight ends, doesn't it? So <laughs> All right. maybe Mark Andrews. I'm, I'm still a little lukewarm on Mark Andrews where he makes the first guy miss really well, but – the first round tight ends are the guys that are just athletic freaks and they stay stress defenses and you don't know who to cover them with. And I don't know Mark Andrews is that kind of guy. Now Mark Andrews did play like 80% of his snaps. I think it was even higher than that in a flexed out role. He's not an inline guy. So now you got a guy that's a, that's a pure receiver and he's not a, a real physical mismatch. So I think Mark Andrews is an extremely good football player, but I don't know if he's got that first round profile the teams look for in a tight end. Hey Kyle, great stuff today. You have uh, you've really schooled us on some of these prospects and gave us a good overview of Senior Bowl week. Uh, just go ahead and tell all of our listeners where they can find your work, uh, your site, and uh, on Twitter, etc. Sure, um, you can find me. I am at NDT Scouting on Twitter. Like to tweet about football prospects and Cracker Barrel and share a lot of our content, which goes up at ndtscouting.com. So. Highly encourage you guys swing over, check that out. I do also write for FanRag Sports. I'm one of the NFL draft analysts over there. Uh, but you'll find a good deal of my actual draft specifics. I'm a little bit more NFL-focused over at FanRag. So my draft specific stuff is at ndtscouting.com. As I said, uh, Matt has just joined on to the team. We're very thankful to have him. We're really excited to have him. And Matt's been doing great stuff for us as well. So uh, definitely, if nothing else, come over and check out Matt's takes. All right. Thanks again, Kyle, for joining us. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.